cult and classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to another episode of Cult and Classic Podcast. This is part two of Coming of Age, uh, where we talk about uh, two films thematically relinked. Last episode in part one, we talked about Rob Reiner's 1986 classic, Stand By Me, a coming of age story about four children going to find a dead body. And this week, we've got its partner film, 2015's The Weirdsies by India tour Chris Seaver. Now, we've done another Chris Seaver film on this podcast before. We did 2011's Moist Fury. There are some uh, overlapping cast here. Uh, Meredith Host is here, plays Chris. She uh, was in, um, am, I on, am I on crack? Uh, I think she was in Moist Fury, but Andromeda, um, played by Desiree Saitia. Sorry if I'm butchering your name, because I know I am. Uh, she was also in Moist Fury and plays Jess here in The Weirdsies. The comparison between The Weirdsies and Stand By Me is very apt and absolutely obvious. Um, it is also very clearly a Chris Seaver movie because it is full of gross-out humor and um, interesting choices. I, I'm interested to hear what everybody has to say about this. So uh, Chris reached out to us after we covered Moist Fury, which we always love to hear from uh, the filmmakers and creatives. I mean, without you guys, we would not have anything to talk about. And I have to talk 24-7. Otherwise, my head explodes. And, oh, Jeff's nodding. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, no. Uh, so he said, hey, I'd love you to take a look at my 2015 film, The Weirdsies, maybe with Stand By Me. And we're like, absolutely. I love Stand By Me. Let's do it. So this is a request, and I'm happy we did it because there's a lot to talk about. The Weirdsies is, I would argue, sort of a dirty sex comedy with a coming-of-age uh, plot rammed right through it. And I use that term <laughs> intentionally. Um, it is a story of three... Uh, women and their gay friend, uh, all of which who are about 25-year-old vir virgins, and they uh, don't want to lose their virginity to last chance Lance, the douchebag of the town, sort of the Kiefer Sutherland character. So Josh hears that there is a dead body in the woods, and he also understands that for 48 hours after a corpse dies, they have a raging erection. Now, if you're turned off at this point of this movie, you're not going to get any farther. Um, and, and while I could say that's okay, I personally think that you should give it a go, especially if you've seen Stand By Me and are familiar with it. So these four go out to find this body so they can have sex with it and lose their, uh, virginity before they get, I don't know, too old. I, it's never really explained as to why that's a huge deal, but it is a huge deal to some people. Um, so, so there, and, uh, we've got an interesting collection of people and characters. I don't even really know, much like Moist Fury, there's so much in there of, of different weird things. I don't totally know how to tackle giving a, an accurate summary beyond what I just said. Um, I think you pretty much covered it. Yeah, and and so each character has their own little hangups that we learn about, um, their, re their real reasons for not, uh, for not losing their virginity yet. Um, and we kind of get a happy ending out of this. I think much happier than Stand By Me because it doesn't have the lukewarm sort of future perspective moment. Um, we also have an alien abduction, so it's I, it's it's I don't know. Depends on on how you how you handle that. I'm just we have a twist right. ending. I mean, 
Right, exactly. The twist ending. And honestly, I want to be, I didn't see the twist coming. I didn't see it. Um, uh, but I didn't see the ending of Moist Fury coming either. So maybe it's on me, but here we go. Now, I think most of us enjoyed Moist Fury, except for Greg had some gripes. And, uh, and I am, uh, which Chris particularly enjoyed. So I'm, I'm curious to, to hear about his take on that. But let's start with you, Jeff. Uh, what did you expect going into Weird Z's? And what's your feeling now that you've seen it? Well, I had some expectations because I've seen one of this dude's films. Um, and how do I feel now that I've seen it? Um, I didn't like this one as much as Moist Fury. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's like the novelty's worn off. I, I actually can't figure out if it's just like I've seen it already and now I've seen it again. And I was just like bored with it. Um, I, I do. I, the one thing that I would say, like critically of this, it needed a, like a straight man. It needed like the the like the classic character that like isn't in on the joke. Uh, that you know is essentially the person that we're seeing this zany world through. Um, I didn't have one in Moist Fury, but I don't know. That somehow. S- still work for me uh i think it being just set as like a futuristic post-apocalyptic world like it set it far enough outside of like kind of like normal life whereas this one is just like yep there's some people that you might run into at the bowling alley yeah it's just everybody's so like extra like every single character is (laughs) just like be as I, I can't imagine any gives any other direction other be, be weird as possible like that's that's what's written on the script be weird let's, as is humanly possible let's talk about one of the weird moments for a second just to give people a sample um when they're going through the forest early on in their journey to find this dead body um they come across the forest queen played by um Noel williams who just shows up and start singing a song about leopard stretch pants. Um, and, and then they, they move on from that, from that music video break, breakout moment. And then the, the bad guy characters with Last Chance Lance um, who are following them, she appears behind them and he turns and he has a line like, what the hell are you? And that's the end of that scene. Um, and, and I have to say, so you're, you're missing a key point. Um, we also have um, Charlie Day from Always Sunny. Just kidding. We have Troll Boy, just little Troll Boy. <laughs> troll Boy. I believe now. I'm not. I'm not sure. We'll have to ask Chris about this. I think that might be Chris's son, um, who is awesome. He's in like uh, he's shirtless with like um, Christmas elf pants, uh, dancing around River Seaver. Uh, yeah. I. I. And I. So those are weird moments, uh, right? And in this way, it is sort of episodic like stand by me we talked about that before where it's like a road trip movie you know that each section has this own little like interest points that that rise and fall and and create the momentum that keeps us watching and gets us through to the big plot moments that round out the whole arc uh i it's so there are lots of things i mean chris siever has lots of trademarks um which we saw in moist fury and we see here again like um using quotes from uh, other films. I, Chris is actually in a role as a storekeeper who I believe he uses quotes from another movie um, as he's shouting at, at the lead um, who's demanding donuts and he doesn't have any donuts. So 
there's I, i'm gonna hazard this we'll get to we'll get to greg in a second mandy you kind of said a little bit about this we'll talk to you more jeff you said you didn't like as much as moist fury and you're not sure if the novelty's worn off i think part of the thing that maybe is and it might be a personal preference thing is this movie has a much clearer definitive plot and arc than moist fury moist fury is sort of if you were to compare this movie and moist fury i feel like moist fury is anchorman one where there's there's barely a plot there um it's it's mostly just ad-libbed derp humor and um which is funny i mean it, it, you know what I mean? it, and then you have anchorman 2 which has a distinct plot that is about uh the entertainmentification about news coverage which so they actually put in sort of a serious plot in a nonsense film and for example my wife and uh my sister-in-law adore anchorman and they didn't really care for anchorman 2 Whereas I was the opposite. I thought Anchorman was fine. And Anchorman 2, I was like, oh, I really dig this. And it's sort of like if there's, I, I guess maybe it depends on your tolerance for juvenile goofy humor um, that comes in spates between plot development. Because mm -hmm. if you if you really like juvenile humor, that's kind of all you want. It's like, like bridesmaids i don't think bridesmaids had a good plot kristen wiggs character is not likable because she acts like a child and she's an adult but there are moments of really if you like it funny slapstick poop humor you know what i mean um whereas you look at uh one of his other films and uh, like the female-led ghostbusters there's actually a plot and it's more evenly distributed the the goofy moments are between plot development moments so if that's what you're looking for you're not going to be as entertained um i don't know what do you think about that well, maybe you have let, let me let me just finish my point sure. real quick here so you had a point uh, i'm just kidding yeah so like <laughs> i it kind of felt to me it may, and i don't know if it's because it didn't have that like character that was like you know alice in wonderland but instead in some weird guy's head that really likes ejaculants um or bodily fluids of many different types or if it just it felt like an overly long sketch and maybe it's because of what you just said is it it had more of a plot to it and so it was all the same throughout the whole thing it felt a little bit like the same joke that just kept going on um and like when i got to the 40 minute mark i remember looking at the clock and i was just like this i feel like this was like three hours long and it's like four it's i'm only 40 minutes into it and, I, and, and I think movie, it was just like, I was just trapped in the same joke that wasn't that funny. It's interesting that you say that because it does have a, a, I mean, so Moist Fury has this moment in the, in the late middle portion where it really devolves into utter and complete madness. Um, it's, it's mostly during the, the sex scene between with Deathbone. And it really, it's, it's such insane madness that I don't know how you couldn't watch the spectacle. Um, and Moist and the weirdsies is much more even than that. I don't think there is a moment that it truly goes balls to the wall bonkers. I mean, it's bonkers, but it is evenly bonkers. And the characters, as which I think is what you're getting into, they do what we expect them to do. Um, and for plot progression, that's not terrible. But for if you're for that sort of Chris Seeger outlandish humor that's so wild. 
you're right. I think this one is much more on the lower scale. It sort of feels like um, if you watch Pi versus watching Black Swan. Pi, Darren Aronofsky's Pi is his indie effort, which has, you know, um, drug trips about man-eating refrigerators and anal-to-anal uh, -anal prostitution for drugs. And then you have Black Swan, which really just has a, 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 a woman with an abusive mom who doesn't have a great grasp on sanity and wants to be a famous ballet dancer. Like it, it's sort of like you take some of the sensibilities that make them very engaging and you find that common ground that a wider audience will be able to accept. And of course, Black Swan wins the awards, right? So I, I'd be curious to know uh, if Chris saw this as his more mainstream entry. And I'm assuming he is because the production value is so much higher in this film. Um, it actually looks and sounds quite good. Um, we also have uh, some great uh, ska music in here. I was super excited and blown away to see a track by, or to hear a track by Mike Park and, and Dan Paddas of, of Asian Man Records in here. I interviewed Mike Park for uh, our zine Rearted uh, quite a few years ago, which you can pick up on our store by going to Colton Classic Podcast. Dot com and uh and yeah so the music really carried it through also it has this sort of like l like late or mid 90s clarissa explains it all grown up and uh cracked out with early 2000s hot topic employee vibe which i really resonate with and um and so visually i i liked all of that um and there were standout moments. I, I didn't find the time an issue because like his other films, it's short. It's an hour and seven minutes. Um, but I do think that you're onto something that it, it is tempered in a way that Moist Fury is not. Moist Fury was reckless abandon and the weirdsies uh, is in some ways tried to rein in, I feel like some of the weirder parts. Um, you know, a a a masturbation contest to see who can come the fastest between the three friends and their their uh gay friend is it's not shocking in this one in the way that some of the moments in moist fury were um and i'm gonna also say this didn't right feel like it was really funny like it 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 didn't have that balance of like this is like i don't know like the sex scene from moist fury like obviously i found it hilarious because i almost passed out i was laughing so hard when we were talking about it on that episode but like it was just like this is meant i don't know chris may correct us in saying these things but like it seemed <laughs> like it was meant to be funny and ridiculous like because of its ridiculousness like they went really far with it they continued the joke like for a really long time mm -hmm. um and in a way like that um the master like the masturbating um contest that you just mentioned like it just didn't come off as a joke <laughs> yeah yeah it was, like it was very trauma know. um and yeah. we've talked about trauma before and trauma oftentimes will have material that's just meant to be sort of mm, exploitative for the for the shock moment for sure and, 
and that moment. And I do think that is a moment that I actually, I didn't find particularly funny either. And it's sort of like just a placeholder, it feels like, to have mm -hmm. um, the character go and pick up food. Um, and it really, and that is of course a direct mirror to the scene in Stand By Me where Will mm -hmm. Wheaton's character goes to the store and gets food and has this um, alarming conversation with the, the clerk about his dead brother. And so I feel like it was one of those things that it might've behooved the film of the Weirdsies to actually ignore its source material inspiration and do mm -hmm. a different scene. Um, and- Like if they forgot condoms or something would have been a better parallel. Although here's, but, here's one thing I'll say, you though. know, I, I, I see what you're saying. I will say this though, Josh Sewer is the, plays Josh, their gay friend. He is a shining beacon of fantasticness in this movie. I lost my shit every time he was on and he was on a lot because they need food because nobody brought food except unlike Stand By Me, Josh, who has this tiny little pack that they make fun of him for, this little hobo bag. And he just pulls out food after food and just continually shoves it in his face, getting nothing down his throat. And it's just covered in water and rice, crispy, you know, like uh, rice cakes and all sorts of garbage. And then goes from sort of like a five on the frantic meter to like a 10 when they ask him to spare some food. It's like the, you know, it's like a manic version of the toilet paper borrowing episode of Seinfeld, you know, like, can you spare? I don't know. I don't know how much I'll need, you know, like it's that moment. And it, while it's expected, his manic energy sold me on it. Like the first time he shows up in the bowling alley near the beginning of the film, after we've learned that these three women want to learn, their, want to lose their virginity, when he shows up and tells them the, the plan to go have sex with the dead bodies, erect penis. And I guess I had to say it again, because that is the plot of this movie, guys. Uh, I, I lost it. Like I, I was sold 100%. Like, screw James Corden playing a gay man in, in uh, prom or whatever, Golden Globes. Like, this is a magic performance. Now, I don't know if Josh is gay or not, and that's a conversation on whether or not a, a person of a different, um, you know, sexual identity could, should play someone who's, who's gay. But I, he sold this character to me 100%. And, um, and let's talk to Greg about what your take was. Ooh, I can't wait for this plot twist where Greg loves it. Well, uh, much like the weird Z's, uh, nothing will surprise you. Nothing. So, uh, but I don't know this, I, I was, I was torn. Um, there, I, I had the opposite reaction of you, Nate, and I think you summed it up perfectly. I had to keep from laughing. Um, as soon as the premise was hit, of hey we're gonna go have sex with this dead body <laughs> at that moment i was like well if they don't have sex with the dead body i will i will give this film a thumbs up if they have <laughs> sex with the dead body i'm gonna have nothing good to say about this um so that's pretty much where we're at but um so but, but up. spoiler alert they do have sex with the body spoiler alert. Twist, um, but yeah which i'll i'll get into that later but i do want to talk about um the cast, the cast was fucking amazing. I have to say, um, I I thought the production value, the acting, the writing 
I thought it was overall better than Moist Fury. I thought this film really showed what I think um, Chris does best, which is parody. I think I think this was a a solid um, parody film. Um, but I mean, to kind of get into it, um, spoiler alert: you can't have sex with a dead body for the same reason you can't have sex with an unconscious one because it's rape. So I think that just kind of that's that's my hill where I I kind of fell apart. Yeah. So so I, my wife and I were actually talking about necrophilia uh, today. Actually, I can't remember if it was related to this movie. That's that's where my life is right now. Um, but there's sort of this and Louis C.K. is a very problematic figure. I don't think he should have a career anymore. We've talked about him more than he deserves on this podcast, all my rants. But he had this bit, as some other comedians do, about uh if people want to be necrophilics if that's their compulsion because it is apparently a a condition rather than like a, a a choice or a preference in the way that pedophilia is unfortunately a condition he's like well when i'm dead i don't care let them do whatever they want with me and save the rest of the world i'm sort of in that camp i mean i, I also want to just share this bit if people didn't know that apparently uh when when uh arnold schwarzenegger was our beloved governor here in california um he passed a law making it illegal to have sex with dead bodies which is interesting because of course it had already been illegal to have sex with dead bodies two things about that blow my mind and i know i'm on a tangent here one is is that someone thought it was necessary to introduce a bill about this again um and two the fact that arnold schwarzenegger felt like that was an appropriate way to take attention away from whatever real issue was going on at the time this reason i say real issue is because if all that was wrong in our country right now were horny teenagers breaking into mortuaries and having sex with dead bodies i would sleep so much better i swear to god i mean that would be the biggest gift um now of course, it is a disturbing moment, especially for families and relatives. I mean, I'll be dead. I don't give a shit. But other people will certainly be. And that's, that's of course, don't have sex with dead bodies, guys. That's what we're saying. Um, now, I like Chris Seeger has this thing where he often has at least one moment in his movies of um, intense it's not even it's always self-aware but intense recognition to the audience with a fourth wall break and that is of course the moment where one of the girls goes uh when when our lead character is like this this is our movie i'm gonna make this movie because she's an aspiring filmmaker and they're gonna move all together to california and she's like who would greenlight that project and then looks directly at the camera and i laughed yes i knew it was going to be that joke um but it is true i don't know how Chris Seaver is, is a magician in getting the funding and ability and cast and everything to make a movie about a plot so, so inappropriate um, and treat it with far more reverence than most people would ever think it deserves, right? Because the idea of preferring to lose your virgin, first off, the idea of virginity and losing it is ridiculous. And they kind of have a joke about that at the end. Like, hey, do you think with all this other sex play we've done that has broken our hymen 20 times over, we were even virgins at all it's a construct it's ridiculous and stupid um that said i think most people in our society think of virginity as the time that they have sex with another person 
that person would probably need to be alive in order for it to be like sex with another person because that's what sex is. So the idea that they're going to lose their virginity to a dead body is like, it's like four, to the fourth power irrelevant to the actual problem that they're pretending it is. Um, and guys, here's a spoiler alert. Uh, the guy's not dead. Um, and that's the spoiler alert. I'm going to give that to you there. It's, it doesn't ruin the movie. No, but it was a nice little like, ha ha. Um, I don't know if Chris added that to make people feel better. I have a feeling. No, I think he just added it because it was a beat that he could throw in there. That was a joke. And that he, was I think like, so. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's a gotcha moment. It was good. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and it led to the, the final, final joke at the credits. So which was, they were all, there's a picture of them. They were all pregnant. Right. They're yes, like, hello they're from California, California or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was kind of actually thinking that would almost be funny as well if if he was dead, because that's just fucked up. Um, but yeah, I guess. I, oh, I, I was just going to add in that, like, even that twist, I was like, oh, so he tricked them. That doesn't make it better to me. And then the pregnancy, it was just, it was basically just like throwing an egg at my face and me saying, I don't like it. And then you hit me with, with a brick, yeah. with an egg on the brick. <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of like, it's yeah. in the way, I think I mentioned this in Moist Fury, that Chris Seaver likes to troll his audience, right? Like, you always feel trolled watching his movies. And I kind of enjoy that in a way. Um, I will say this, though. I think it's interesting. It does sort of speak to different mentalities because I had much less problem with this plot and the outcome than and discomfort than Deathbone in Moist Fury being able to, quote, deep dick the lesbian out of Andromeda like that that was much more upsetting to me as a concept <laughs> than having sex with a dead body in the woods and I don't know what that says about me um probably that either one of them being in my dvd player at any given time is a sign of deep mental illness um but if you know a podcaster who isn't guilty of deep mental illness uh tell me because I don't think they're real yeah I, I so it's just funny I, I guess there you are know, there Oh, there were. I was gonna kind of wrap up. There were a, a couple, a couple things that I did want to highlight that I thought were really good. Um, I'm trying to pull it up. Uh, so Alec Lambert, who played Lance, fucking fantastic. You already, <laughs> you already brought yes. up Josh. I feel like the two of them were just above and beyond. And then um, Kate Lewis, who played Katie, I which was like the fantasy one, like the mm -hmm. nerdy one. Um, I thought she was hysterical. Um. She those is. three she's, were she's talks about her like uh game of thrones fanfic with like a power farting princess yeah um and then there there were there were some jokes that really got me i mean you brought up the one where um josh has the the little tiny sling over his thing and to me that didn't that didn't thrill me i as soon as he had that and they're like oh like that's all you brought i'm like oh it's gonna be it's gonna be a clown card joke right he's yeah. gonna pull a bunch of shit out of it later okay great but when they had the dream earlier about like staying virgins forever and lance taunting them and all that yep. and then they're like oh like we all had the same dream like maybe we should go out and then josh pops in and is like we it was actually my dream and they're all <laughs> screaming that was that was pretty good yes. that was really good and like, i agree with you that's funny also the idea so when they get the moment when they get to the body right before they have sex with the body 
And um, it feels weird saying that sentence on the air here, but it's true. Before they have sex with this, what they think is a dead body, um, much like Kiefer Sutherland and Stand By Me showing up to say, kids beat it, this is our body. Uh, Last Chance Lance shows up and he's like, get out of here. I'm gonna have sex with this dead body. And the irony is, is that that is somehow going to negate the ability of these people to have sex with this corpse, which by definition, it's just, there's so many things, there's so many logical, implausible, not implausible, impossibilities with the solutions and the parallels in this movie that it, it just cracked me up. Um, we have also uh, Josh, his secret, because they all have secrets that they have to share, right? Um, his secret is that he's been contacted by aliens in his dream and he's going to help save them from something or other eventually and go to distant planets. And uh, instead of a gun chasing away the villain, uh, like Last Chance Lance or Kiefer Sutherland and Stand By Me, Quasar Helix, the alien prince, king, something of that, shows up and uh, gets rid of the, the villain. And then we get one of my moments, which I love, when they're all like, um, you're going you're gonna to come to California with us when you come back, right, Josh? And he's like, yeah. And he looks at Helix and he goes, I am coming back, right? And he's like, no. And then we get the, you know, Wilhelm scream as they beam away. And that's like, that's it. I thought that was hilarious. Um, it is that like newscaster fight in Anchorman 2. And I was thinking about Anchorman 2 when I watched the movie where like, it's just gag upon gag that you know are coming, but it sort of like hits it enough that it becomes funny again to me. I liked that moment. Um, I also, so I think part of the thing that makes the Weirdsies different from Moist Fury is Moist Fury so much, there were some um, dialogue jokes and wordplay jokes, but most of it was physical comedy and absurd and, you know, theater of the absurd. Whereas the Weirdsies has a lot of comical dialogue. Um, and some of it hits and some of it doesn't, but I do think there's a great deal of it that was pretty funny. Um, but perhaps it's because, and Greg, I agree. I liked the cast of this one a lot. They're delivering it in a very stilted way because of the overall vibe of the movie. Whereas I feel like if you were, if they had done the dialogue in Mallrats, it would have been more realistic and the jokes would have, the, the beats would have been more recognizable and given more time to laugh. Um, I also want to give a shout out uh, to one of the other insane side characters, Butt Cleft Jeff, played by Clint Kelly. Um, Butt Cleft Jeff is eating donuts on a park bench and gives uh, Chris some the lead wants some advice. I forget the names individually, unfortunately, uh, but give some words of advice. And then just as she's leaving, she's like, why do we call you butt cleft Jeff? And he gives this, you know, essentially, you know, my anus is a Play-Doh, you know, shape Arama and goes to the left. Like, it's just, it's so insane, but it's so Chris Seaver. Um, and I noticed too, that Clint Kelly's jacket has a bunch of pins and they're all super eighties, like Duran Duran. Um, and I don't know. I liked that moment. It was one of those insane weirdnesses that sort of broke up the plot moments that we've talked about. Um, there was also 
that song. So I think the longest moment for me that maybe could have been broken up visually was the campfire scene um, because they get some great story out of that. And there are some funny moments like Josh saying that he's, you know, been contacted by aliens, but it's a, it's a long time of them in the same stage setup, right? They're essentially in a line and we just pan back and forth. And that becomes problematic because especially because we're used to in these Seaver movies going from zero to balls to the wall and then back down and then zero to balls to the wall. So when you keep it visually stagnant, it's hard to reinvigorate and go back to 10 because visually I haven't gotten the cue that things are going to switch to the new joke, the new scene, the new moment. Um, but that said, technically, it was well done. That's a great nightlight scene, and that's not easy to do. I can tell you that. Um, yeah, so I think we've have we hit everyone. Did I, did I tag everyone as to what we think about this? Okay, now I haven't asked Chris, but I think this is one of Chris's favorite movies that he's done. Um, and I will say, I'll start. I would recommend this movie to people who thought Moist Fury, and go back and listen to our review of Moist Fury with the Warriors. People who thought that sounded interesting, but maybe a little much for them, or, hey, I live with someone who's going to lose their mind if I put that on the TV. This is much more palatable because you it's not as independent feeling. Um, it is very much in the vibe of if you want American Pie, but you don't want to be a bro from 2002, watch this movie. Um, because the humor is sort of the, you know, Stifler's mom and Stifler eating dog shit from whatever sequel that was, uh, level of sophomoric. But I think it is smarter than that uh, film is. Also, if you like Chris Seaver, I mean, I, I, I have to say, I guess I'm begrudgingly becoming a pretty big Chris Seaver fan because watching so many bad movies watching ones that actually have moments where I stop what I'm doing from multitasking to look up, um, like all of last chance lances. I mean, what is he even looking at when he's, when he's mugging to the camera, I can't get that spacey stare that he has. He's just spitting lines into the ether and it's really well done. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this one. I don't think it has the insanity or the, the comical shock that Moist Fury has. It definitely was more intent on following the, the coming of age journey um, with these characters. And that I do think hindered some of the humor um, and the wordplay and the dialogue. I just don't know that we were prepped to recognize it as easily as we would have had it been, you know, uh, a, if it was an episode of Gilmore Girls, I would have laughed a lot more jokes because I would have known where they were going to be. Um, and I didn't hear. So I'd recommend this movie. And again, Chris Seaver makes it very known. In the first five minutes, there is vaginal discharge on hands. Uh, it doesn't get flung like it does in Moist Fury. It gets eaten. And that is, I'm going to hazard to say Jello vanilla pudding. Is that what that is? I'm just going to throw that out there. I think it that's what... very much like vanilla pudding. Yeah. Oh, no, it was real. It was practical. <laughs> Um, I think she even uses the same line that is uttered at some point. Acting. 
uh, in Moist Fury, right? Like it's going to be a moist day or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, uh, you know what you're going to get. And he hits you with the hardest stuff right away. Um, there's also, uh, I think somewhere I saw in some, some trailer or something that this has got gratuitous sex. It does not. Um, there's actually no nudity. There is one character who appears to be cupping his penis and balls, uh, but you don't see anything. Um, but I do hope he had Purell because uh, we all sweat down there. So, Jeff, would you recommend the Weirdsies? If so, to who and why? Um, I'm I'm like I, I'm kind of like uh, 50-50 here because I didn't I didn't like this as much. I did I did uh, suggest the moistest of furies um but this one was it was uh i don't know it it just didn't it didn't work for me i i didn't uh, there were definitely were some funny parts but i i kind of just got to the point where i was like it felt long and i really just felt like the same kind of sketch for an hour and seven minutes or whatever um i don't know it it just uh it it needed either more um i don't know just insanity mixed in there where you just like go completely off the beaten path or Death maybe bones. it just it just needed like i don't know i go back to that like just a character that is like what the fuck is going on like i don't know something for us to like latch on to as a, as a viewer because like um we just I, I for me i just i needed that like thing that was like normal to like contrast with all of this insanity with every single character being completely insane and completely off the wall there's there's no it it basically lost contrast and and it um it it was just hard because like you were saying it's like room. So you can't laugh when you're already exhausted. Yeah, yeah. I guess back to what your point. Yeah, there's just and wasn't I, that. It's interesting you say that because I guess oftentimes when we get this right, when we have a group of crazy characters, the world around them is normal. You know, like the clerk then is normal or something. Yeah. Um, I'm actually was reminded as you were talking of the the short lived Nicktoon Kablam, um, that had a bunch of different shows hosted by animated brother and sister. Um, I love that show, but I find myself now owning it, not watching it often. And if I do, I don't watch it like back to back to back like I do with, you know, Rock of Modern Life or, or even Angry Beavers or something, right? Like, and I think it's to your point that Kablam had nonsense throughout the whole thing. And there was, even though they were different segments, I'd never really breathe because each segment was equally bonkers. Um, and... And then you look at a show like Robot Chicken, you know, Seth Green's setup is that it's channel changes in between and each channel change, except for very few like running gags or something like a robot having sex with a washing machine, it starts at zero and then quickly goes to 10. So you have a reset moment every time. And when, you, when you're stuck, it's that whole, when you're stuck at level 10 crazy or even level eight crazy, like I think we are here, if Moist Fury is 10, Weird Z's is probably seven or eight. We, we hit that level the whole time and we get, we get tired because there's no time for our brain to process the next thing. And it feels like it's longer than it is, which is what you're getting at. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a, a, a viable argument. Greg, would you recommend the Weirdsies 
And if to, if why, if, if why to who? <laughs> uh, well, to answer your question, uh, no, I would not. <laughs> um, but here's the twist. Well, Jeff. you ruined your Christmas gift, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the entire Chris Sieber collection on DVD. <laughs> um, but here's the twist for you, Jeff. Um, I would not recommend it. Um, but if in my patented uh, alternate, I would say if you're if you like what we've had to say about Chris Sieber, go watch Moist Fury. That would be my my alternate recommendation. Um, Weird Seas, it's it's very disappointing because other than the one the I mean, other than the premise, I thought this was just objectively better. I thought it was directed better. I thought it was written better, um, acted better. It's just... It is a beautiful poster. It yeah. really does. I'm not even joking. Like, the poster is so classic and fantastic. Yeah. And the title card for this movie, when she's walking through against the, the brick... Oh, the yeah. I mean, it looks great. It really does. Yeah, uh, yeah it just... performs well, you know? Yeah. It's just for me, I mean, subjectively, this wasn't, wasn't my thing, and I had real issues with it, and that's entirely subjective. Um and then the, uh, yeah i guess that's pretty much it um i guess if you're if you if you've hated everything we've said about chris siever um consider airplane i think that this is kind of the 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 much edgier version of that type of comedy where it's something where you can't you can't predict anything coming at you um i was uh when you were talking about josh i was thinking a lot about uh steven stucker in airplane who plays uh, let's see, Johnny Henshaw Jacobs, the like funny kind of wild um, air traffic controller. Flamboyant, yeah. Yeah. Who like who pull who um, like pulls the lights off when they're trying to land the plane. Um, yeah. And it's interesting, as you say, recommendations um, and I mentioned it, I would also recommend Mall Rats. If you want something that is theater playable uh, in the normal mainstream way and you but you like this kind of humor. Mallrats is always one of my favorite films. Jason Lee, of course, uh, post pro skate days uh, in that film. It's the Kevin Smith movie. Um, and and just side story, I met Jason Lee once. Um, super nice. Uh, he was eating at a restaurant my friend worked at, and there was like no one there because it was the middle of the week. I was currently unemployed in uh, Huntington Beach, California. And he called me and said, "Hey, that guy you really like is here." And he knew exactly. I knew exactly what he meant. I must have just been talking about. Um, uh, Jason Lee, because I think he's fantastic. And uh, I was like, no kidding. And I had just moved to California, so I didn't have my DVDs or anything. So I ran to a uh, Strawberries when it was still there and not a pawn shop. And I bought the only copy, it was a used copy of Mallrats on DVD. And I ran over there and I got a table behind him and they were recording something for some MTV, I don't know, it was a clip show or whatever. Um, and this is what I remember him saying, because they were like, give us a joke. Give us because they just brought out the food and they give us a joke, give us a joke. And so he would just joke after joke after joke. And the only one I remember is they put the fish in front of him and he goes, and they go, What do you think? And he goes, God, smells like your mom last night. That is all I remember Jason Lee saying until they were getting ready to wrap up. I stood up and I said, Hey, like, I'm a huge fan. I'm sorry, but would you mind signing this for me? And he looks straight at my friend who's his waiter and goes, you rat bastard, son of a bitch, ratted me out. And then he signed my thing and that was it. Um, so thumbs up to Jason Lee, watch Mallrats. Uh, I think this is actually a good pair with Mallrats. It's kind of the same age concept. Like this is, it, it feels like a, a fancified version of my childhood. Mandy, 
Your last up, would you recommend the weirdsies? If so, why and to who? Like, um, I guess like if you're really liking the craziness of all this Christiever stuff we're talking about, like go for it. But otherwise, like, um, I'd probably give this one a pass as well. I was really uncomfortable with like the subject matter and plot of this one, plus the novelty had worn off. Uh, so it, it, I don't know, Christiever might have been like more of like a one and done kind of uh, concept art for me. Uh, but yeah, I I I just give this one a pass. All right. Well, and I will say, as I said, I enjoyed this movie. I don't think it was as wild as Moist Fury. I do miss Deathbone. He's a fun character. Um, there is a Toblerone reference in there, so you there know, was. all part that, of the connected That was community. nice. I will um, say. And also, I hope to see. Uh, if you listen to our minisodes on Fridays, I did a review uh, last week of or the week before of uh, Salt on the Snake Men uh, by Adam Riot Thorne uh, of, of rioatthemovies.com. And there's actually a shared universe that they've created with Chris Seaver where they've referenced various Chris Seaver moments, including Blood Fart Lake. So if, you're, if you like this like me and you're out there, expand, start reaching out and get you these and you will, you will find a wild group of parallels here and also tad masteroni said he is very sad he missed this uh i just want to shout that out to uh to, to good chris siever and all the fans out there thank you guys so much for listening uh playing us out as always is the chud i want to let you know we'll have a new part one of a new thematic uh pair of episodes next week write reviews for us on itunes and apple podcasts Send us to cultandclassicpodcast.gmail.com, the screen name you write the review under, and your address, and we will mail you some cool shit, and we really appreciate you. Thank you guys so much for listening, and have a great day. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world, and that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.